want to remind you of a couple quick things. Um, each night, 7 o'clock, I know tonight threw us off a little bit, and, and uh, it'll throw us off come Wednesday night too, but if you show up between the hours of 6 and 8 p.m. the next four nights, you'll, you'll, you'll be just fine, all right? Um, want to remind you as well, um, you can do it either on your way in or on your way out, but we've got our giving boxes. Um, everything that uh, comes in each night for Love Offering that comes is going uh, straight to our speaker, Pastor Paul Lee Pravat. Uh, he's been my pastor for a long time. Long time, and every gray hair on his head and in his beard did not come from me. All right. <laughs> I might have gave him one or two of them, but believe it or not, I was actually a good little church kid. But uh, I'm grateful to have known Paul as long as I have, and I've gotten to serve with him. I've gotten to uh, do a lot of great things, and I owe a tremendous amount to him. And I'm thankful that, for the message already this morning, and I'm looking forward to what he's got uh, tonight. So what I want to do is I want to pray and uh, then after I pray and say amen, and we all say amen, uh, y'all clap for him, welcome him up, and he's going to preach until the cows come home, all right? And he sent the cows a long ways away, so they ain't coming home for a while. But uh, let's pray tonight, and then y'all make him feel welcome. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this night. Uh, grateful, God, for uh, your goodness, your faithfulness, Lord, that we can gather, we can worship you, Lord, we can uh, praise your name, Lord, that we can uh, sing about the power of the cross and what you've accomplished uh, for, for sinners like us. Lord, we thank you for uh, just the message that we've had this morning and for the worship that's taking place and the fellowship this afternoon. God, we want to thank you even in advance for tonight's message. God, we know that exactly what you're going to give to us is exactly what we need. We pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, through the preaching of your word, God, that uh, we would have our hearts uh, change and, and to be more conformed to the image of Jesus. And Lord, that tonight, if there's someone tonight, Lord, who who does not know you as Lord and Savior. I pray that they would be born again. If there's someone tonight who needs conviction, I pray they'd be convicted. If there's someone who needs encouragement, they'd be encouraged. Lord, whatever the need might be, God, that you would accomplish it. And Lord, we just want to thank you and praise you for who you are and for what you've done for us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, y'all welcome, Pastor Paul. Y'all glad to be in church tonight? All right. We're going to be in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter number four, Nehemiah chapter number four, that ought to be easy to find, it's on page 469 in my Bible, <laughs> so you ought to be close anyway, all right? So to, tonight we're going to be talking about keeping your guard up, and as we talk about keeping our guard up, what we are going to be talking about is some very practical things about being a Christian, being born again. How many of y'all are saved tonight? You know you're saved? You know you're going to heaven? All right, just making sure. I never take it for granted, all right? I'll do my best to preach the devil out of you. Uh, that's what I'm here for, right? Uh, but nevertheless, it's up to the Lord to do that work, isn't it? So tonight as we come into Nehemiah, and I'm going to read the, a few verses to you. I'm going to start in verse number 1. We're going to read down uh, through verse number 14. And as we continue on tonight, we're going to see uh, some things that come after that. How many of y'all realize that not everybody that calls himself a Christian is? How many of y'all realize that there's a lot of people who call themselves Christians that are actually the enemy of God? There's a lot of people who call themselves Christians that would love nothing more than to have a church like this one just shut down. Stop preaching, stop existing. Let somebody else have your building. And that's the way it is. And that's the way it is in this world. You know, we're in the last days and we're headed toward the end. I, I hope you believe that. We are headed there. The evidence is overwhelming. 
Maybe this week we'll talk about some of that. But as we see the evidence as being overwhelming, we need to understand that in the last days, there's going to be a couple of things that mark the last days. Obviously, if you've read the Bible, you know about the wars and rumors of wars and famines and earthquakes and pestilence and all that. And you can argue that that's primarily in the tribulation period, but I believe it's like birth pangs, and it just increases up until that tribulation. And then during the tribulation, it goes haywire, right? But nevertheless, there are some other things that mark the last days, and one of them is lawlessness. Now, when we think of lawlessness, our natural thought is that we think about people breaking into houses and stealing things, murder and that sort of thing. As a matter of fact, that's just the outward manifestation of lawlessness in a community, lawlessness in a culture, or in a country. We are living in a lawless country. What lawlessness is, is that men have removed the Word of God as being their final authority. And when the Word of God is no longer their final authority, they become their final authority. And then they get like the people in the book of Judges, they do whatever is right in their own eyes. When people do whatever's right in their own eyes, they do some stupid things. They come up with some weird ideas. Am I right or am I wrong? All you got to do is turn on religious broadcasting. You'll soon find some stupid ideas. And they get paid a lot of money for that stuff. And you and I need to realize that's part of the last days. There's also not only lawlessness, but there is a great falling away. I alluded to it a little bit this morning, but I want you to realize tonight, as we read in the book of Nehemiah, and we talk about Nehemiah rebuilding the wall, there were enemies that came against Nehemiah. And there are going to be enemies that come against us in these last days. The enemy that's going to come against us, I jotted down a tenfold, and I'll get there in just a few minutes after I read this scripture and pray. But when we talk about these enemies, dear brethren, they're not on the outside trying to get in. They're not just on the inside wreaking havoc. They have absolutely fundamentally changed what it means to have church in our generation. Now, I am old-fashioned. Y'all probably figured that out by now, ain't you? I am as old-fashioned as old-fashioned can be. I like the old way. I'd love to go back to when I first got saved and go to them revival meetings when I first started preaching. I'd love to go back to those early meetings as a young preacher and preach the Word and see the little old ladies with their handkerchiefs out, tears streaming down their eyes. I'd love to see those days when the altar call is given. Man, there's people all the way down the aisle, all the way on the front pew, all the way in front of the platform, all between the first pew and the platform, weeping. Y'all remember them days? We don't know nothing about it anymore. And the reason is, is because the enemy is winning. And it's time for us to be on guard. It's already too late in our communities. It's already too late in our churches. But it ain't too late in our homes. And as we get to the last days, brethren, there's going to be a lot of men and a lot of women 
who you thought were good, solid Christians, who you thought were doctrinally sound, that are going to turn their back on the old-time way. And they're going to walk away. And they're not going to care what you think about it at all. What people used to do and they felt shame and guilt for, they want somebody to give them a candy bar and a hug and a kiss for. They want somebody to give them a plaque for it. And accolades for it. We're living in that day. Y'all agree? Y'all with me tonight? Alright, let's read this. In Nehemiah chapter number 4, we see a defense against this conspiracy to destroy the work that God wanted done on the wall. But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth. That word wroth means that he was extremely angry. The countenance on his face would have changed. And he took great indignation and mocked the Jews. Let me stop. Anytime you're trying to do something for God, there's going to be somebody that mocks you. We can understand when the lost world mocks us. They're lost and on their way to hell. We can understand when somebody who doesn't know anything about our Bible, doesn't know anything about our hymns, when they make fun of us, we can chalk it up. But it's them people you used to sit on church pews with that mock and make fun of you now. And they're out there, aren't they? And my friend, you and I need to realize they left. You didn't. You're still here. Are y'all with me? Are you here or not? Well, if you're here, you're here. That means you didn't run off. And I want you to know that right now, you ought to feel pretty good about that. Because you're not going to let the things of the world, the changes of the world, the attitude of the world affect you. You're the kind of people Nehemiah needed to build a wall. You're here for a reason. You're here because it's time to rebuild. You're here right now because it's time. It's time for you to put another brick in the wall. It's time for you to build up. It's time for you to not worry about what used to be, what ought to be, but worry about what can be. Because what can be is only one of two things. What can be is something absolutely wonderful and great because you get together and you work for it and you work towards it and you're doing it for the glory of God and one day you're going to be rewarded for it. Or you can just run off too. If you want to run off too, ain't nothing anybody can do about it. But when you're not in your place, y'all tell me. Y'all help me out. I've been pastor a long time. When I see people not in their place, it hurts. When I see people, and I know a lot of you, when I came in this morning, there was some I was looking for. Because they've been here every other time I've been here. But they ain't here now. Hurt a little bit, y'all? Make you a little sad? You know the only way to get past that? 
Go find some more. Go find some fresh ones and bring them in. They don't know nothing about nothing. They just want to serve God. That's what you need. Y'all with me? That was free of charge. I didn't even know my outline anywhere. Verse number 2. And he spake before his brethren. And I know this from experience, by the way. Let me tell you this. When I went to Shendell Heights back in 2003 in Waynesboro, that church had just gone through a terrible time. The pastor that was there before, he, he run off with a woman, got married to a, a, one of the deacon's wives. Messed that church up. The man who came after him had a nervous breakdown in the pulpit because the people were so angry with one another and they blamed one another and they fought with one another and business meetings became shouting matches. And there was just an underlying attitude. When I took that church, they had been advised to sell the building, disband, and go to other churches because they were never going to get along and the church was dead and it was never, ever, ever going to amount to nothing. I walked into a church that was so divided. Are y'all with me? When I'm talking about divided, let me tell you how divided it was. I walked into Shandler Heights Baptist Church in 2003. I got a phone call after I had accepted the church from the secretary. She said, Paul, will you still come? I said, oh my, what happened? She said, well, we just want to make sure you're still coming. I said, I'm coming. I told you I'm coming. The Lord wants me there. I'm coming. She said, well, we got a church split. She said, but they ain't going to leave. Neither group's going to leave. I got one group at 8.30 in the morning meeting in the gym. You want to know why they wanted to meet in the gym? So they could have sausages and coffee. Because some big modern church has breakfast. So I have a church of 40 people. I walk in, 8.30 in the morning, there's 12 people in the gym with a coffee pot going and sausage biscuits. Matter than anything at the crowd that met at 11 o'clock. Now the crazy thing was they went to the same Sunday school classes. But they couldn't stand each other in preaching. I went into the sanctuary. I had 30 people in the sanctuary. I had 25 of them in the choir loft. They wouldn't come out of the choir loft. They stayed behind me in the choir loft. I asked them, would you mind coming out of the choir loft? And they said, we don't move for nobody. I had five people in the pews. And I'm trying to preach and I got 25 people back here. Chewing on gum and popping gum and passing notes. My first business meeting. I said, I ain't putting up with this. So I took a bullwhip to my first business meeting. I walked into the business meeting, which up until that time had been arguments, shouting, fussing at one another, even a few fist fights. And I cracked that bull whip, and I said, any one of y'all get out of line, and I'm driving you out of here. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord splits you. I ain't putting up with it. Their eyes were that big. That was 2003. 
Right now we average 200 on Sunday morning. And we would have more, but we ain't got no parking. If I had parking, we'd have more. I'm telling you this. Don't ever let the past define you. That church was defeated. That church was broken. That church was angry at one another. That church held grudges against one another. There were so many people that left that church, they went down the road and started another church. And when I went in, I told them, don't worry about yesterday. Yesterday's gone. Don't worry about what happened to tear down your wall. Don't worry about what happened to ruin your wall. Don't worry about the fact you got a lot of work ahead of you to rebuild the wall. Just start getting on board and I'll help you build the wall. I'll show you how to build the wall. And when you hurt yourself building the wall, I'll love you. I'll care for you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to run out on you. I'm not going to hurt you. And God bless that. And I believe, dear church, you be honest with me, I'm going to be honest with you. Some of that, you're facing yourself, aren't you? Some of that, you're feeling yourself, aren't you? But I want you to know, yesterday's gone. You can't change it. You can't change it. You can't change it. The only thing you can do is start building the wall. The only thing you can do is go, my, what a mess. We have knocked the wall down. The wall's a mess. Our enemies want to mock us. Our enemies want to make fun of us. But no God, you God. This church was put on this hill to preach the Word. This church was put on this hill for a stand to be made. For the truth to be told. And so that believers would be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And I believe you got an opportunity. I believe you got it. And I believe I, with all my heart, just listening to some of you even talk today, you want... Not what used to be, but what ought to be. Who cares about what used to be? Hindsight is awful sweet. But if you go back and listen to what you said, you probably was fussing then too. Am I right? Well, suck it up, buttercup, and start rolling forward. And watch what God can do. Y'all ready for this message? Oh, that's free of charge, my soul. Verse number 3. Now Tobiah the Amorite was by him, and he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. You know what that's like? That's like people saying, I don't know why they try again. It don't matter. There's something bad going to happen anyway. Bunch of naysayers. Bunch of foxes spoiled. Little foxes Spoil the vine. Hear, O oh our God. This is a prayer. For we are despised 
and turn their reproach upon their own head and give them for a prey in the land of captivity. And cover not their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. So build we the wall. You ought to underline that. You ought to make it part of your vocabulary. So build we the wall. So build we the wall. Your biggest enemy is not outside. Your biggest enemy ain't even the devil. Your biggest enemy is between your ears. And you need to get it right in your head and in your heart. If you get it right in your head and in your heart, so build we the wall. But it came to pass, verse 7, that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Notice that. As soon as you start building the wall, y'all listen to me. As soon as you start getting excited about what God's doing. As soon as you start getting excited over young souls that get saved, like that testimony this morning. That's what it ought to be about. That's what ought to get you fired up. That's what ought to get you excited. (laughs) And when you start getting excited, and God starts putting a brick on that empty pew, And God starts putting bricks on those empty pews and those empty pews because God still has the ability to do it. And when God starts bringing them in and setting them there, you better be careful because when that happens, then somebody's going to come from the outside to try to mess it up. Always mark that down. Notice this if we keep going. Verse number 9. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God. There's your power. You got a problem of the enemy. Now you got some power. I ain't prayed yet. Y'all hang tight. And set a watch against them day and night because of them. There's your purpose. You need to set a watch. Set a watch. You mark it down, brethren. You know it ain't nothing wrong with marking them that are offensive. There's nothing wrong with marking them that are divisive. The New Testament tells us to mark them. You pay attention, you mark them, and you just stay away from them. Remember, 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 there's a reason the walls come down. Remember, 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 there was a reason why they went into captivity. There was a reason. They seemed so good on the outside. But something was amiss on the inside. And they ended up in captivity because of rebellion in their heart. Y'all with me? And Judah said, The strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed. And there is much rubbish so that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversaries said, They shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them, and slay them, and cause the work to cease. And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us, notice this, ten times, 
From all places whence you shall return unto us, they will be upon you. Therefore set I in the lower places behind the wall and on the higher places. I even set the people after their families with their swords and their spears and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said to the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. It was the Lord that provided for this building. It was the Lord that got it built. And don't ever forget, this building ain't Victory Way Baptist Church. You are Victory Way Baptist Church. And you are a workmanship of Jesus. And remember the Lord in your daily lives. I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles, to the rulers, to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight. Fight for your brethren. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives. And fight for your houses. That means your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and next generation after that. It's time to pick up this sword. And it's time to fight, brother. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you, Lord, so much for this night. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity just to be able to preach. And Father, I pray you'd help me, Lord, to, to preach exactly what it is you want me to. And Lord, as we go through these things you laid upon my heart, I pray, God, I would be able to do it in a timely fashion and yet, Lord God, not skip over the important things. Almighty God, I pray now you just stir within people's hearts. Lord, I, I just feel your presence in this place. I, I feel, Lord God, as if you're just leading and guiding through this message. And I pray, God, you would touch that heart right now, Lord, who desperately, desperately needs something from you. Lord God, the one who's hurting, the one who's saddened, the one who is heartbroken, I pray, God, Lord, you would touch them the one who's fearful, the one who is dreadful, I pray, God, that you would touch their heart and show them they have no need to fear and nothing to dread for the one who is struggling hard with doubt and frustration and maybe bitterness and anger. I pray, God, that you would touch their heart, Lord, and show them that there is mercy and forgiveness in Jesus. God, just have your way tonight, please. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I jotted a couple of things down of the enemies that we face. You see, Sanballat and Tobias, they were only part of the problem. You had the Amorites and all these, all these other ites and stuff. You had all these people that were enemies of them. And they said they were mocking them. Even a little fox would come in and knock that down. But they didn't quit. They kept on working. When they kept on working, all of a sudden, those broken places in the wall started to come together. When those broken places in the wall started to come together, it made the enemy angry. When it made the enemy angry, the enemy made threats. We're going to come in there and kill you. We're going to destroy it. We're going to knock it so far down, you're never going to be able to put it back together. That's exactly the way the enemy works. If the enemy doesn't work that way from the outside... The enemy will work that way on the inside. You've got to understand that the enemy, he's slick, he's sly. 
We, we serve a risen, living, powerful Savior. But don't ever forget, you've got a powerful foe. And most of the time, we're so just worried about our everyday life, we forget that we are in the midst of a great spiritual battle uh, to keep us from being a part of the great falling away in these last days. Ten enemies. One, false teaching. False teaching is an enemy of the church. You be careful. Be careful who you put in as Sunday school teachers. Be careful. Be careful of who you listen to. Because there's a lot that is 90% right and 10% bad. That don't cut the mustard, brother. You need to be careful. Number two is worldliness. We are, are we not, pretty worldly these days? I mean, we are. We got to be careful. It's an enemy. If you're not, if you're not watchful, the enemy will get you. So you need to buy a new house, a bigger house, a nicer car, and you're going to work another job, an extra job, more jobs, and you never have time for Jesus. I'm not talking about you don't have time for church. You just don't have time for Jesus at all. See, the reason most people don't have time for church anymore is because they don't have time for Jesus anymore. Don't get listen. Don't look at your family. Y'all remember this. If somebody's saved, they're a new creature. If somebody's saved, they're going to have a new appetite. And the people who have an appetite for the things of God are saved people. And they're going to want to be in the house of God. And they're going to want to learn the things of God. They're going to want to hear the Bible preached. But if there's no new nature, there's no new appetite, you mark it down. They enjoy the hog pen because they're hogs at heart. You believe me? Now watch this. Number one is false teaching. Number two is worldliness. Number three, the extremes of liberalism and legalism. We're facing those in our day just like any other day. And it's true, isn't it? I mean, there's one crowd that's so liberal, you're like, what in the world? How in the world can you even believe that? And then the other crowd is so legalistic, you ain't good enough to be a part of it. If you was good enough to be a part of it, you probably wouldn't be here. You definitely wouldn't have me, right? Then, the fourth one is this, formalism. And this is a big one. Stale, formal, dead religion. It's an enemy that is infiltrated into our churches. We used to be on fire, brethren. We used to be on fire. I mean, we used to shout. We used to rejoice. We used to weep. We used to cry. We used to beg God. Mm -mm. We have changed it to being satisfied with the status quo. I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied. We ought never be satisfied. We ought to always be hungry and thirsting after more of God. And always be hungering and thirsting after knowledge, and always hungering and thirsting after righteousness. The fifth one is emotionalism. Emotionalism simply feelings over facts. Boy, you got a lot of that, don't you? It's how I feel instead of what the Bible says. We talked about that a little bit this morning. Then we have this great diversion. 
from convictions. We're diverted from our convictions. When was the last time you sat down and had a Bible conversation with another brother or sister over your Holy Ghost convictions? Y'all remember the days when it was preached on? Y'all remember the days when it was spoken of? I got a Holy Ghost conviction that drinking's wrong. I got a Holy Ghost conviction that shacking up outside of marriage is wrong. I got a Holy Ghost conviction. Homosexuality is a sin. Holy Ghost Bible conviction. There's only one way to heaven. Why don't we talk about our convictions anymore? Maybe it's because we don't have them anymore. The next one is coldness. We've lost our first love. We've lost our first love and the lampstand's moving. The power of the Holy Spirit of God is moving. Just like I told you a while ago, I remember the days. You knew when somebody was in a good revival meeting when you saw them at the McDonald's after church because they'd have mascara running down their face. They'd done been in a good meeting. We're entirely too dignified to weep and cry today. No. We're entirely too cold. Our tears are frozen. You still got the same tear ducts. You still got the same stuff on the inside that makes the tears to roll down your cheeks. But it's frozen. It's frozen. It's frozen because of heartache and disappointment. And frustration. It's frozen because you don't think they matter anymore. There's something sweet about a saint that weeps. The next one, simply this toleration. We tolerate everything in our society, division over stupid stuff. There is no reason for churches to divide except over stupid stuff. Everything is stupid stuff that makes you divide. We have one Savior, one Bible, one way, one Holy Spirit, one gospel. So what do we divide over? Stupid stuff. Am I right or am I wrong? Finally, we have just some dead, outright, biblical and spiritual ignorance. And the enemy uses it. Now, there was a problem of weakness here. But I want you to know, you see the problem of weakness. And I did my best to start to show you the problem of weakness. Not only is there weakness in every church, especially today in America, there's weaknesses in every church. We are a weak and a needy people. We have lost our direction. We have lost our focus. We have lost our purpose. We have lost our way. We are just showing up on Sunday hoping that God would do something for us. And oh, we don't even realize what God is doing. I mean, God is doing this for you tonight if you would receive it. God hasn't changed. God has never moved. 
God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. It is us who have changed. It is us who have moved. It is us. And the reason we're cold is because we don't want to walk close to our God and Savior. But there is a plan in this Scripture for success. How many of y'all ever planned to build something? Come on. How many of y'all ever planned to build something? I, I didn't say you actually did it. You just planned to do it. How many of y'all planned to build something and never got quite there? How many of y'all still got something at the house you ain't never finished? You probably ain't never going to finish because it wasn't nearly as cool as you thought it would be, right? But I want you to know there's a plan here. And if you put this plan into your life personally, if you put this plan into your life corporately, if you put this into your life, you will be successful as a believer. What does that even mean? Most of the time we think of successful people, what do we think of? Wealthy people, nice people, big house. That's not a successful Christian. A successful Christian is one who suffers. A successful Christian is one who is embattled. A successful Christian is one who is always in a battle. A successful Christian is one, no matter what comes their way, they will not quit. How many of y'all been through some battles? How many of y'all wanted to quit in the battle? But you're still here. You didn't quit in the battle because something kept you from quitting. That something isn't a something, it's a someone. And it's God Himself. Now listen very carefully as I finish this. Verse 16 through 23 is a plan for success. We saw the discouragement. We saw the defeatism of the enemy. We saw their threats. But look at this. And it came to pass, verse number 15. It came to pass. I'm going to read that a couple of times tonight in a couple of verses. You ought to underline it. And it came to pass. No matter the horrible battle you go through today, it's going to pass. And if it don't pass, praise God, we're going to pass. And heaven is our reward for staying in the fight. And heaven's going to be sweet for some of the saints of God who didn't quit, who suffered, who struggled, were always being battled and mocked and made fun of. Who were always told you can't do it. You're not strong enough. You're not mighty enough. You're not wise enough. You're not educated enough. You're not good enough. <laughs> you were good enough for God to save. You were good enough for God to love. And you're good enough for God to use. 
Because God can take a crooked stick and draw a perfectly straight line with it. Amen, church. Let's keep going. Y'all are quiet on me again. You're spooking me a little. You're thinking? And it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us and God had brought their counsel to naught that we returned all of us to the wall, every one to his work. And it came to pass from that time forth that half of my servants wrought in the work, the other half of them held both the spears and the shields and the bows and the haberguns, and the rulers were behind the house of Judah. Look up here and here's your message for tonight. Right there is the power. Right there is the victory. Right there is the prescription for you to have what you need to go forward and get the job done. Realize no matter what, it's going to come to pass. If you look at your life, you've had some ups, you've had some downs. You've had some happies, you've had some sads. It always changes. The one thing that's constant the Word of God never changes, and God of the Word never changes. Trust Him, rely on Him. You back up to verse number 14. Oh, Nehemiah was smart. He said this. He said you need to fight. What did he do? He put their, their men with these swords, he put them right here. And then right behind them was their families. He put their wives and their children and their houses behind them. So that these men, as they stood on the wall, one of them was going to hold a sword, and one of them was going to put a brick in the wall. One's going to be watching, one's going to be working. But their families were behind them. It's brilliant. Because if the enemy came, Nehemiah knew, no matter how hard the enemy came, those men would fight to the death to protect their loved ones. See, here's where we've gone wrong, brethren. We've forgotten we're in a fight. Oh, we feel it. We feel like we've been beat up, don't we? I mean, we feel like we've been stomped on, had our guts ripped out. That's the way we feel as Christians in this generation. We've gone through stuff through the last two years that boggles my mind. I have seen people in the last two years walk out of church, never come back to church, that if you'd asked me three years ago, I wouldn't have believed it. I've had people who tell me three years ago, Pastor Paul, we're with you no matter what. We're here. We're, we're not afraid. We don't live by fear. We believe in the power of the Lord. We're going to keep on. We're not ever going to disappear. Well, you can't even find them anymore. That hurts me. That hurts me because I love them. But I ain't going to quit because of them. It's a battle that wages in my mind. And in my mind, this is what the devil does. The devil says, you ain't good enough. You're not preaching enough. You're not putting enough effort into it. You're not pouring your heart out into it. They don't like you. They don't care about you. <laughs> As if any of that mattered anyway. Am I right? But that's the way the devil works. I want you to understand that there are some men who have been beaten down over the last few years. You're beat down, but it's time, boys, to stand up. It's time to stand up and get back into the fight. 
It's time. The Bible says they had a sword in one hand and their brick in the other. They got a sword in one hand and they're stacking bricks up. Man, I'm telling you, this book is the sword that we have been given to fight the enemy. If you stop and you look around at what's going on in this world and you look at all the defeat that's in this world, it will discourage you. It will knock you out. It will destroy you. You need to get your eyes off of the television. Get your eyes out of the news and get your eyes back into the good news of the Word of God and realize that everything we've seen in the last couple of years, God told us about it thousands of years ago. Be not, be not deceived, brethren. And don't think it's strange concerning this fiery trial which should try you as though some strange thing has happened. Oh my soul, it happens to everybody. Men, we need to get back to praying with our wives. I'm not going to ask you, men. I don't want, I don't want to embarrass you. But you, you answer in your heart. How many of you men... Pray with your wives. How many of you men pray over your wives? She falls asleep in that reclining chair. You ever just just pray over? We're all getting older, ain't we? Those of you that are young, I'm going to tell you, when you see your spouse, getting older, and you see yourself getting older, all of a sudden you realize some limitations. You realize how much you've taken for granted all these years. But do you pray over them? Your children and your grandchildren. I've got two precious grandchildren, and I pray over my grandchildren, and I pray with them, and I pray over them, and I pray that God would save them at a young age. Oh, I'm glad they're in church. But I want to see them in heaven. But I see what this world is doing to the youth. And I see the destruction. Are y'all seeing it too? And they're going after everything but Jesus. Less than 4%. Listen to me carefully. Less than 4% of people under the age of 21 can articulate to you what it means to be saved. Less than 4%. So I want you to stop and think about this. It's time to start building. It's time to start building. It's time to put the bricks in the wall. It's time to realize the devil has that generation and they're being destroyed through drugs and alcohol and sexual relationship. And there's empty pews all around you. It's time to put the sword in your hand and go out into that world, that evil, sick, sin-sick, cruel world, and wage a warfare against the devil who's already defeated. And rescue the perishing. Tell that world about Jesus. 
And there will be nothing, nothing the devil can do to stop you from being what God wants you to be. Nothing. 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 And when he rears his ugly head, you just remind him he's already going to hell. And you remind him you are already more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. You're not defeated. You're not downcast. You're not destroyed. God's allowed you to come to a time to see what you're made out of. What are you made out of? What are you made out of? Are you the kind of people that Nehemiah could use? I believe you are. I'm going to tell you something that I wasn't going to tell you. I took this revival more serious than anything I've ever done. I have fasted and prayed for you for 45 days. When Joe asked me, would you preach a revival? I flippantly said, yeah, sure. I love them people down there. And I do. I hope you know that. But the Lord started burdening me. Paul, you better pray. Paul, you better seek my face. Paul, you better be ready when you go. And I want you to tell them what I want you to tell them. Don't worry about who ain't here. This is for you who are here. And God, God Himself has a desire for you to be what He wants you to be which is a powerful, mighty, more-than-conqueror kind of Christian who ain't going to back down from nothing or nobody and is going to be ready to face this next step in our culture. 4% under 21. You got a mission field out there. 4%. And don't you think for one minute that they can't be saved. They just don't know why they need to be. And to them, church, just a bunch of old people stuff. That's what you do when you get old. You think you need God. They don't realize what's coming to this country. They don't realize the judgment that's about to fall from God. 
because it's coming. And it's time for you to be revived. It's time for you to be on fire. It's time for you to hold that sword in one hand and start building them bricks. I believe you can. And I believe God thinks that you can. And that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. Let's all stand. Oh, Nehemiah. I didn't even get halfway through my outline. It was a good one. Oh, Nehemiah. He needed you. Are you willing? Are you ready? Are you ready to surrender? Surrender. Total surrender. And just let God use you. Pastor Joe. Amen. The Lord brought Pastor Paul in that message for a reason. Y'all have been through things and seen things and dealt with things that most, most people wouldn't stay for. Most people have already left for. And you're here. And I believe that tonight, the first step in this is us to obediently Surrender to the Lord and to his word. Pick up our swords. Maybe grab our family. Maybe grab a brick. By surrendering at this old-fashioned altar. And putting the first brick in the wall. To moving forward. And I'm not just talking about a church. I'm not just talking about a community. But your own heart. Your own family. This church will only be as strong as your family. Your family will only be as strong as you men, as you fathers, you husbands. If we care for our wives, we care for our children, we care for our next generation, we care for the cause of Christ in this church. Not the things that God used to do here, but the things that God is doing now and is going to do here. And if we care about that community that we live in, that our family lives in, that they go to work in, that they go to school in. Come find yourself at this altar with your family tonight. And let's put a brick in the wall. Amen. While the piano plays, this altar's open. Would you come?
Lord, we come to you grateful for the work that you've done in hearts and lives. God, we're grateful that you've given us another opportunity, Lord, even just tonight. And Lord, with every day, you've given us an opportunity to move forward, to put another brick. Lord, to see this place rebuilt, Lord, not by, not by our hands or by our own plans, but Lord, through, through yours, God, that you've used us as tools and vessels, God, to, to see this place built. We pray, God, that we would see your church strengthened, your people strengthened and encouraged for the future. God, that we would see victories again. God, that we would live as victorious believers with our swords in our hand and with bricks to be laid. And God, that we would see the work that needs to be done. But God, that you would, God, that you would use us to be able to not just build this church, Lord, that we would say that it's grown, but Lord, that your name and your glory would be demonstrated in this place once more and in this community, God, as a light in the darkness. God, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity. May we take it serious. May our hearts be focused upon you. God, may you bring us unity as we move forward. We thank you for this time. We love you. In Christ's name, amen. I promise you the rest of the week we're going to get on shouting ground. So you can invite every heathen in Hillsville. All right? I know it was hard tonight. But we're going to get on some shouting ground tomorrow night. So y'all come ready to shout and rejoice at what God's going to do. Amen? Amen. He, he don't know it, but he's looking at about half the heathens in Hillsville. <laughs> Amen. I hope all hearts are clear. I hope to see you back again tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. And if you have a need, linger around. We'll be here to pray with you and to meet with you if you need to. We're praying for you, and we'll see you guys back again tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. Don't miss it and invite a friend. Y'all have a blessed night.